Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Never again. Never again. See, I let myself. This is on me. This isn't on them. This isn't on Dawson. This isn't on our guy, Ali Cassell. This isn't even on my bud, Nick Fondo. For all the people that got excited about the Pelicans starting to win ball games. They sucked me in. They sucked me in. I said, you know what? Instead of going to bed at a decent hour, I'm going to watch the Pellies, and they're winning, and they're on the road, and they're beating Golden State. But fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I should have known better, because sure enough, I stay up late. Having to do a show the next morning. And what do the Pelicans do? They just simply just gack it away. Just pee down their leg for an opportunity to beat the Golden State Warriors. Bad coaching. Bad execution. The Pelicans are still the Pelicans. Done. Done. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this hump day edition of the show. I'm your big, bald, and slightly cranky host, <laughs> Raymond Farts III, better known as RP3. I'm joined here in the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Islow. See, I can't be mad at D'Lo. It's not D'Lo's fault. D'Lo got excited. He saw the Pelicans starting to win. He saw them last night playing well. I can't be mad at him. I can't, because he got suckered in just like the rest of us. What a performance. What a performance. Nothing like being up by 16, 17 points on the road and just urinating down your leg in front of everyone on national television. Great job, Pellies. Little little bit of an overreaction. They were playing the defending champs on the road who are Or battling to be the sixth seed. They're the best they're one of the best teams in the league at home, in fairness. And the Pelicans are one of the worst teams in the league on the road. So the end result it's again, it's it's something (sighs) and I've and I've said this before about the Saints a couple of times last year, before I was on the air here. Like, if you just looked at the end result, you wouldn't be upset with how it happened. You wouldn't be upset with the end result, but it's the way it happened that makes you upset. It's because they were there. They were up by 17 points, and they end up losing the game by 11. They're actually up by 20 at one point. At one point. They allowed Golden State to close out the game on a 31-15 to run. Like, 31-15. to This wasn't 
a tough back and forth affair. No, no, no. They just simply just obliterated themselves. Yeah, but did you hear the report? Zion looks explosive in practice. Oh, I they can't wait about that, huh? I can't wait. Yes, he's coming back. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's called you. You pivoted very You're nice. Burying the lead. <laughs> I just oh, and they looked so good for so long in this game, Dawson. They started off so strong, and it got suckered in. At first, I wasn't going to watch it. I was like, eh. And then a couple of my buddies said, hey, man, the Pels. In particular, my guy, Nick Fondo. And I started watching. And I was like, oh, look at this. Look at this team. Have they really turned a corner? Have they really figured this out? Finally? I even texted with him back and forth. And I'm like... I asked him, I says, where's this team been for the better part of the last month, month and a half? Where have they been? Honestly. How were they sleepwalking for a month plus and now they play hard to play well? And we start going back and forth. Maybe the wait for Zion stuff got old. Or maybe the Rockets lost woke them up. I said, it's probably a little bit of both. We're having a nice back and forth. And then he texted me something which proved to be as if he was Miss Cleo and could see into the future. Last time we played these dudes, we were up 16 in the third and lost. Last time we played these dudes, we were up 16 in the third and lost. Woof. Woof. He texted, I'm so confident right now, and I don't know why. Sorry, I know you got to get up early. I'll shut up. I said, no, man, I'll, I, I'm enjoying watching this game. And then the next text message in the exchange is, are they really losing now? I literally went, took my dog around the block for the last time for the night <laughs> before putting her up, and I come back, and they're losing. And I'm like, how did that happen? How did that happen? Break it down for me here, Dawson. Why did they abandon the offense? That I can't answer for you. And and that's been a problem a lot, right? And you know This isn't the first time we've seen this happen late in a ball game well, with the Pels this year. You know, and one thing I've struggled with and it's it's the it's the inability for the Pelicans offensively to separate Allowing your best player to be your best player and abandoning the offense, as you said, they they don't have the ability to like understand the separation and the and the and the mesh between the two. Okay, correct. And when the Pelicans get into late game situations, more times than not, it feels like they so badly want to prove to people that they have guys who can close out games that they just get in these ISO situations and just play one on one basketball and. Why doesn't Willie stop it? That, I don't that, know. That, that, that's really my don't. other. That's my other point. And because I'm a not lot of times they, they they come out of timeouts like it's not like it's not right. like it's just them going rogue. Like they come no. out of timeouts with that being the plan. Like it's 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 give not, them as much space as possible and let's go to work one on one with Bi or give you know it's just yeah. It's not as if in basketball the runs start and you start you know gearing up the momentum kind of takes over right and then you you just do something dumb offensively right because you get. 
amped up, a little too amped up, and the the back and forth kind of takes over the game, right? This isn't what's happening with this team. They're doing this coming out of timeouts. I'm trying real hard, real hard, because I like Willie Green. And I thought he did a nice job last year when he was able to get the team together. He started off terrible. He was terrible. He was looked, he looked like a terrible hire for the first two months of the season. But he turned it around. But this season has given me pause about Willie. Because we keep seeing the same things happen. It's like how I felt last season with Dennis Allen. We keep seeing the same things happen in games. Or we hear Dennis Allen talk about, well, now we're going to have a sense of urgency when you're five games under 500. Like, like, that's the part where I go, "Mm." and I watch Willie, and obviously, look, Kerr is the superior coach. He's the one that's got the championships on the resume, right? I get it. You're playing Golden State. You're in the Bay Area. They're the defending champs. I understand all of that. I do. I do. But this team has yet to figure out, Dawson, when you have your foot on their throat, you have to apply pressure. They don't do it. They don't do it. They don't know how to do it. Is the, I guess the better way of describing that. Yeah, I, I think Willie, you know, I would I would pause I, I understand concerns. I felt the same way. A lot of the stuff you see is just is concerning. I would wait on Willie. Um and I think the Pelicans are gonna have they're I mean they're going to. They're not gonna make a move here or anything like that. Like Willie has time. I think we also need to remember he's a first time head coach and he's learning. Um and he's going to get better. That's part of it. You're um, you're you're exactly correct. But it feels like somebody's got to get in his ear and say, look, offensively, down the stretch of these games, we've blown too many leads this Why season. are they setting up Larry Nance for open three-pointers? Is that your offense? They've done that a lot this season, too, huh? Is it's, he the guy? I don't, when I think of clutch three-point shooter no, in tight games, you know who I don't think of, Dawson? I don't think of Larry. You know, I, I don't. I don't. That's like saying people out there listening right now think, when they think of... Skinny, long-haired sports talk host. They think of me. No, he he's like he's thirty-three percent as in general in three. So not a great three-point shooter. Not like horrifically awful, but not a good three-point shooter anyway. But like in the fourth, I don't know what the, I'm going to try and find a number in the fourth quarter. I don't feel like I ever remember Larry Nance making a three-point shot in the fourth quarter of a game. And yeah, they so they set up open look. Yeah, okay, it's not hard to set up an open look for three from Larry Nance. They're going to give you that. <laughs> they want you to take that shot. <laughs> There's a reason why he's open. <laughs> yes. Because the other team knows that he's not a threat to make the consistent three ball. Like, this is the stuff that they're doing late in games on the road against the defending world champions. Woof, man. Plus, look, man, they turn over the ball in inopportune times. And Najee had a couple of turnovers last night where you just go, bud, what are we doing? What are we doing? And look, 
Once again, first glance, if you didn't watch the game like Dawson and I did, I'm sure we'll have plenty of energy throughout the day. And you just glance at it, like D'Lo was saying earlier, and you go, hey, Golden State beat the Pelicans 120-109 at home. Uh, B.I. had 26 points, man. Trey Murphy had 21. All five starters scored in double figures. That's a pretty good performance, right? First glance, you go, that's pretty good. It'd be, it'd be a heck of an accomplishment if they could go on the road and beat Golden State. You came out and you punched the Warriors in the mouth. You're up by 11 after the end of the first. You extend your lead at the break up to 17. And then you just allow them to come out. And that's where the experience, right? That's where Steph and Clay and Draymond and, and, and Kurz, all their experience comes into play here because they've been here and they've done it. They've been in every game scenario. They've had teams punch them in the mouth before. They know how to rally. They know how to get under team skin. They know how to frustrate you. They know when to turn it on. They're a veteran team, a veteran championship team, and they know how to do that. That's what they do. That's, That's what they do. Like they're and and the Pelicans having a big lead early is is largely because Golden State plays that they they are. They're lethargic at times because they know they can be. They slack and off they lock, early yeah, in games. They lock in when they have to. Correct. We don't have time to fully dive in. I don't really even want to, but can we just... Does Draymond Green get away with more ridiculousness than anyone in any sport Correct, ever? he does. It's unbelievable on a nightly basis. Whenever I watch the Warriors, I've watched them a couple times, you know, primetime games this year. Like, he does something ridiculous that doesn't get called or, you know, no technical foul or anything like that. And, like, and he does get called for technical fouls when he does stuff that's, like, crazy. But it's just—it's almost every time I watch him play, he's doing something, and he's—and he's, you know, flailing around and bumping into people, and I mean, yelling and trash talking. But he's earned—but but but he's earned the right to get away with that. I don't know. I don't know That's if you ever earn the right to get away with some of the stuff he gets away with. That's and how some it of, works. And though. his history of some of the things he's done, you know, as far as dirty play or or borderline—I guess you wouldn't—you'd say borderline dirty play, borderline hard nose play. I, I don't know. It just frustrates. Obviously, when he's playing against your, when you're playing against other teams, you go, "Wow, there he goes again." When you're playing against your team, you start to, it starts to feel personal. You know what I mean? How are they going to let that guy get away with that against my team? You know what I mean? But he does it to every team. Oh, I know. That's what I'm right. saying. When you, but when you're watching your team, it, it, it feels different. But anyway, so they just, I will not be watching t- tomorrow night. I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's another late game because they're playing at the Nuggets. Late tip. Oh, and that's a. Th- oh, I was. Yeah, see, I was thinking that game was on Friday night, but it's you're right. So yeah, I, won't, I don't think I will either. No, nah. I'm 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 gonna pass on that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. I'll watch some highlights in the morning. I will not allow myself to be sucked in again to the Pelicans. You got Braves baseball to worry about tomorrow. That's right. Opening day is tomorrow. I gotta be focused, my man. I can't be played around watching the Pelicans. Mess around and probably play well for a couple of quarters until they just implode against the Denver Nugs. Pelicans remain in eighth, though, because the Western Conference is just stupid. <laughs> it's just it's just stupid. It's just so dumb. So dumb. Yeah, they're yeah, they're a game now, they're a full game out of seventh. And only a half game up on the Lakers. Once again, we, we talk about every day for here, 
from this point on to the end of the regular season, it will be a fluid situation in the Western Conference. <laughs> Every day is going to be different. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, those Pellies. Salty Steve is stepping up and giving us the advice that we all need. Pelicans fans are just people that monitor sports in the state of Louisiana. This is something that you should take to heart. You ready? Listen up. Courtesy of our guy, Salty Steve. For those who believe in the Pels, just hold on. Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and the Easter Bunny are coming to the rescue. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Oh, the Pels. They're going to mess around. They're going to make the play-in tournament. Zion's going to come back. You even mentioned it. People started going nuts about the reports about Zion. You know, looked really strong in a workout. So they're going to win enough games. They're going to get in the play-in tournament. Zion's going to come back, and then they're going to flame out. I think explosive was the term used explosive. on the broadcast. Explosive. Was he explosive, or was it because you hadn't seen him in so long, he looked explosive? No, he was explosive. They had never seen something so explosive <laughs> in their lives. <laughs> oh, man. They're going to mess around. They're going to make the play-in tournament. You think? I, 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 I feel confident that they're still going to make the play-in tournament. You know, something that was brought up yesterday to me, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do that a lot. Um, yes, is that, yes, yes, you do. Yes, yeah, you do, D-Lo. I, sometimes it's good to acknowledge it just so people know that I, I'm aware I'm doing it. You know, it's not something that, anyway. It's, 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 the, it's the classic, you know, I mean no offense, but. Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead with my thought. Um, this has me feeling better. Remember, the Pels won 36 games last year. This is true. And back their way in. They're going to get to 40 wins here, you know, presumably 40 and maybe finish above 500. So, like, you can still take the approach that this was a progress year, um, whether they win, you know, in the playing tournament or not. And and again, obviously, we're going to go into next year having doubt that Brandon Ingram and Zion and all those guys can stay healthy. But you'll have another offseason to try to get that figured out. Maybe bubble wrap your your guys and on their vacations in Cancun and whatever else they're going to be doing this offseason. Make sure nothing goes down there. And still have and you can still like kind of spin this from a marketing perspective and from a from a public image perspective as progress moving forward. So I think that is something which it wasn't even something I thought about when I sat there and said, Yeah, wow, they were they were I forgot how bad the record was last year, which further proves my point of how stupid the playing tournament is. But Oh, they were awful the first two months or so. Yeah, the and they still found a way to get in because we just reward mediocrity in the NBA today. But overall, this this year's team is better. And you know what? I will say this about the playing tournament that I'm going to you know hate forever. If there was ever a year for it to happen, this is the year for it. 
But I would say most years, like last year, it's unnecessary and you're rewarding mediocre to bad teams. This year, with when you consider how many teams are down there, it should be fun because there, there are going to be pretty decent teams down there. So, you know, for one year, I'll say it's fine to have the playing tournament, but I wish they'd get rid of it, but they won't. Once again, it feels like to me, when it's all said and done, the last few games of the season, I feel like Golden State's going to jump up to the five line. I think it's going to be the Clippers trying desperately to stay on to that sixth seed because of the injuries that they have. And by the way, Kawhi Leonard's career has it took a real sharp left turn over the last couple of years. Clippers will hold or will try to fight on to hold on to the six, and it's going to be them, Minnesota, Pelly's, Lakers, Thunder. And maybe if the Mavericks can figure it out, if Luka can just will them to the playing tournament. Because uh, he and Kyrie are not working. And I think that's what it's going to be. It's very much a lot of the same. They're more than likely going to finish with more than 40 wins. Maybe they'll have a winning record. Maybe they'll just be at 500. But it feels very much like last season when it's all said and done. Once again, health is a huge problem. And the success, the future of the franchise hinges on one guy and really kind of two guys being healthy. And neither one of them has proven that they can be. So, woof. Woof is what you get. What do you think about that Naismith Hall of Fame class? They like to put in anybody, traditionally. Hey, you had uh, four good seasons where you averaged 15 points playing in Turkey. You're a Hall of Famer. So, of of the Hall of Fames, of the big pro sports, the Basketball Hall of Fame is the one where you go, uh, you just go, you just, uh, really? Really? But I actually like this class and it actually feels like a legitimate hall of fame class d wade dirk get in popovich gets in becky hammond gets in paul gazal and tony parker getting in if gasol didn't play with kobe and the lakers would he be in Probably not. But D. Wade, Dirk, and Pop definitely are Hall of Famers. You can make the argument for WNBA legend Becky Hammond, who's now a coach. Paul Gasol and Tony Parker. And for me, eh, a little fringy uh, for me, but all in all, a good class for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, which is not always the case. Yeah, what's um my biggest takeaway from that is what's Greg Popovich doing in San Antonio, just sitting around coaching this team? Is isn't that surprising to you? I've asked that for a year and a half, almost two years. I go, why is he doing this? I, yeah, all, all the guys are gone. Tony's gone. Tim's gone. Right. Uh, 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 Manu's gone. Is, is he really gonna? Is he gonna really coach through this rebuild and 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 like try to make another run at it, or is he just? I mean, he's also the president, right? You know, so he has a he has kind of an executive position over there. 
Why does he not just step into that front office role? Why is he? I just don't know why he does. He must just love coaching that much. Like it, it just must but be like that this, thing. Losing just you know, they they have been know. awful for a couple of years. I thought for sure after the bubble, I was like, well, maybe maybe he's going to step away. And he didn't. And he's just hanging on through terrible seasons. Maybe he's determined to see this through and go, you know what? I want to be able to I was I was part of the architect of what we did before. I want to be able to do it again. Yeah, but at, at oh. age 74, oh. I just yeah. It's a lot, man. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. I just woo. I don't know, man. I mean, he is the career leader in coaching wins. Five championships. What else you got to prove? I mean, five championships, most wins all time. He's, and now you're in the Hall of Fame. What yeah, are you I was doing? Say he's tacking onto that wins list, but he's certainly knocking down the win percentage all time. He's he's also trying to try, trying to catch old Lenny Wilkins for I mean, most losses with list. I just, whew. so congratulations, Wade, Dirk, Popovich, Hammond, and I guess yes, congrats. I didn't say that I went on a different, but uh, Parker and, and and Gasol and for, girls. We gotta take a timeout. <laughs> I like how you just interject. Yeah, my, my my bad. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't say congratulations. Uh, my bad. When we come back here at RP3 and Company, we'll unveil our poll question of the day, which is always our foodie question of the week. That's what we do on Wednesdays in the NFL. Talking about doing some things, tweaking some things. Dawson and I will react to that. I'm sure it will be even keeled and positive that's coming up next right here on the game this is rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros this is rp3 and company Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. There are days where I go, man, I kind of just hate the NFL. And today... This morning is one of those days. I love the notion of taking a tremendous product and keep tweaking it for greed purposes and ultimately water down your product. I love that method. That approach is amazing. And what has Roger Goodell... And the Russ and the rest of the owners decided, well, glad you asked. So the owners did decide not to vote on a rule that would allow games to be flexed into a Thursday night kickoff, which, by the way, is a terrible idea. First of all, Thursday night football is a terrible idea to begin with. It has been for years. The notion of making teams have to turn around and play on a Sunday then have to play on a Thursday, which they do, is dumb. It's just dumb. 
professional football players need time to recover. They are the biggest, fastest, strongest, most violent athletes on the face of the planet. Having them do quick turnarounds is just asking for trouble. And we give an advantage to the team that has the extra time off. So this idea of flexing the schedule into Thursday night football is atrocious to begin with. But the owners decide to table that idea. But you know what they decided to do in in their genius, collective genius? They agreed yesterday, football fan, to modify the existing rule and allow teams to play a maximum of two short week games. What does this mean? Glad you asked. It means that while some teams could play two Thursday night games in a season, others would not have to play any at all. I'll say it again for those who maybe just tuned in. The new rule that all the dipsticks agreed to can play two Thursday night games while others may not have to play any. All about competitive, uh, equal competitive playing field here. Back-to-back Thursday night games, such as a Thanksgiving game, followed by a Thursday night game the next week, would only count, though, as one short week game, by the way. So some teams could wind up playing three Thursday games and others none. As the kids say, make it make sense. Make it make sense. So we're going to have instances that some teams are going to be playing three Thursday night games in a season while others may not have to play any at all. If you're going to force the Thursday night product, which is not a good product, by the way, on the general football public to begin with, wouldn't it just be easier, Dawson, to say everyone has to play a Thursday night game? Are you telling me that all the money that gets funneled in through Roger Goodell's office, that they can't figure out how to have every team in the NFL play one Thursday night game. And hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It make it equal because, hey, you play on that Thursday night. You played on Sunday, but then again, you have to both play on Thursday. You telling me we can't figure that out? You telling me that's impossible? No, no, but instead, instead, we've come up with this idea of having teams, some play no Thursday night games, and others having to play three of them. You're a smart young man. You know sports. You understand sports media. You understand the intricacies of how things work. You have a 
marketing management background. So you bring something to the table than the big, bald, and beautiful one does. So maybe you. I turn to you, Dawson. I look to you this morning to tell me, big, dumb RP3, how this makes sense. I don't know if I can make it fully make sense for you, but you're looking at it from the wrong angle, right? You're upset, but you shouldn't be. Because... So this rule change in what they're trying to do, right? The idea is because clearly the NFL values certain brands and teams being, you know, shown more often. So they want those teams to have a chance to be on Thursday night more, right? Than the, you know, kind of weaker uh, teams that no one wants to see. That that seems to be what they're trying to do here. And so your commanders, they're they're never going to play on Thursday night. So now they're at a strategic advantage. So what's the problem? <laughs> Hey, bud, we got multiple $6 billion bids submitted, apparently, for my franchise. Oh, man, I I don't care if it's Magic Johnson, whoever's part of these groups. Just please, someone buy the franchise for the love of (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weird because it felt like they were stepping back from this because they got so much pushback. And, I mean, the other thing is that these rule changes... Um, now I don't. Now they just have to be approved by ownership, but don't the players' union have something to do with these rule changes as well? Um, and so, you know, again, this is all these and any time any any of these rule changes, it's all give and take, right? If the players give something up, it's because they want to get something in return, and maybe this has something to do with. Now, it was not unanimous. And this isn't a CBA thing either. No, so it's a little bit different. Right, it's this rule this changes. this was not unanimous. Okay. The, the table proposal and subsequent modification on the final day of the league's annual meetings in Phoenix did have the support of a sizable number of clubs, which is why it passed. That said, others met with tepid reactions and some were adamantly opposed to it, including New York Giants owner John Mayer, who called the idea, quote, abusive. Well, the problem, too, is that we're, we're just that's what I'm saying, too, you uh, I, I again, and I, I'll need to brush up on the exact process of how these things happen. But you need to have players' unions representatives involved in these rule changes, and I don't know how much or, you know, this this is ownership voting on these rules. So I, you know, yeah, I'm good for the New York Giants owner for for agreeing with that. But a lot of these owners again are are, are oh, it's business the bottom owners. line. They they they, like they the just want to be part yeah, of the they're television. Not, they're not right. worried about you know the things that they should be worried about all the time. I, I've said this. I've said this over and over again. The owners of these teams don't care. They don't care about you, the fan. They don't care about the players. They are running it as a business. And the only thing that matters to them is the bottom line of how much money they can make. Now, not all of them are that way. Some of them do have you know, a different approach where they care about their employees or they care about their players and their fans. Not every owner is, you know, hanging out in a room filled with mahogany and a lot of books and twirling an evil mustache next to a, you know, a fireplace, okay, and while drinking some type of adult beverage. Okay, so he's not a villain from the 30s. But, but you know, even Mayer said he was frustrated with the idea presented to the owners at the league meetings this week with no advance warning. He goes, quote, this should have been vetted with the health and safety committee. It should have been vetted with the competition committee, and it was not. They just tried to push it through. Now, of course, Goodell pushed back on Mayer's assertion that the practice would be abusive to fans, saying the league is trying to balance the best interests of in-stadium fans with those watching on television from home. Wait, abusive to fans was the approach we took here? <laughs> is it not about the players, though? I, I mean, I you know. I just... Players who also appear to be critical of the decision to increase the number of Thursday night games a team can play 
Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is against this and others. Yeah. I just, first of all, the Thursday night product is not a good product to begin with. I understand if you're the NFL, you want to put better teams, so you want to have the ability to flex in later in the season so you can have great matchups to actually have people want to care about the Thursday night product. You're having these players play on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays. Just no. No, what are we doing? And now we're going to have some teams play on three Thursdays? Three? And others none? It's This is just dumb. It's just dumb. Well, the funny thing is we've been seeing stuff like this in the college game for a long time, right? UL, what was it, two years ago? They had like four or five midweek games out of a 12-game season. And you know, and you talked about that. Now, for the fans' perspective, that's a little bit more difficult because you know the smaller-time college programs are, are trying to get people to come to games. The NFL knows people are going to show up if they play right. on it, Monday, it, Tuesday, it, Wednesday. It, or, it, or if you have... Jacoby Brissett, quarterback Cleveland Browns, taking on Zach Wilson-led Jets. People are still going to tune in because people are obsessed with betting. They're obsessed with fantasy football. They're obsessed with the NFL. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. And they're going to show up. For the smaller conferences, they're putting themselves in the position to play those midweek games because they they want the exposure. Right. right? Because they don't get it on a normal Saturday. So it's, 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 it's a different thing. But it's still the, the 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 player safety concerns, and I think we don't even pay you know as much attention to it in in, in college football where you're they you're do putting, a far better in college they do a far better job in college because typically you have a bye week right right around it. But I still think it, it's still done too much, especially con- considering you know that people don't ever think about student athletes and you're taking them out of classes like the MAC. Think about those teams that play you know three or four straight Tuesdays or Wednesdays down the stretch in the season. Like that's tough, and so yeah, I, like sports like football has this opportunity to be a primetime sport and so that's that's where it comes in they just want to see they see the dollars and si- dollars and cents and and that's that's as far as they're going to be able to see it right it's it's the same thing there's going to be you know eventually there's going to be sponsor patches on the jerseys something i can't stand and i you know and and it's already happening in baseball and it already happened in basketball and i'm sure the nfl won't be far behind like those types of things where you sit here and go yeah it's better if it's this way but if we make more money the other way, that's what they're going to do, and that's what they're going to keep doing with the schedule. And until, you know, the NFL knows how much power they have. They know if a couple of players say, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing this, I'm retiring, then they'll say, okay, the next few guys that are the best players at, at the highest level, they'll step up and take your spot. So we're not that worried about it, and, and that's, what's, that's what they're going to keep doing. You're right. Dang it, you're right. we got to take a timeout. I am fired up on this Wednesday. i got to calm down. I got my blood pressure all high. Pelicans frustrated me for making me stay up and watching them. I, 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 I'm always easily upset by Roger Goodell. Got to calm down. We got a great foodie poll question of the week to unveil. That's coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
poll question of the day on Wednesdays is always our foodie poll question of the week. This is going to make me calm down a little bit here. Way too animated early in the morning here. Opening day is tomorrow. What is your favorite ballpark concession? What's your go-to? Is it hot dog? Man. Is it peanuts? Is it nachos? Or is it a bag of popcorn? Right now, 43% of you say hot dog. 38% say nachos, 14% say peanuts, and 5% say popcorn. Scott said, used to be the peanuts at the Teague, but they are no longer fresh with a sad emoji face. Mm. Why are the peanuts no longer fresh? I got to do a deep dive on this. Yeah, we got to get behind that. You know what? I'm trying to get better at this radio thing because I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts on the poll. I've I've done my thinking on this, but I don't want to get cut off by the break here. So I'm going to give my thoughts about the poll question on the other side of the break. My man. Just trying to just trying to make the show better. That's that's what I'm doing. An effort. I'm making an effort at least. Ralph says love peanuts. If they're fresh, roast a bit hard to find those anymore. Plus, I'm a messy eater and the guy sitting below me looks as if squirrels have been resting in his shirt. So nachos with chili cheese and jalapeno. We've got a problem with the freshness of peanuts available to people. Right Apparently, now, huh? we got to do a deep dive on this. Todd says, You forgot Cracker Jack. I love me some good nachos, but if they aren't fresh, throwing up emoji. People are using the emojis today. And it's the early. freshness is just a concern with the ballpark concessions. <laughs> There's freshness concerns with this poll question. John Paul says yes, and the answer is yes. Popcorn, hot dogs, peanuts, nachos, all very good choices. We're here. We're, see, this is what we do. This is what we do. Shout out to John Paul. He's happy this morning. I like that. LC Izzle says two weeks in a row where we're talking about hot dogs in the foodie poll question of the week. Am I still in Louisiana? Why does this man hate hot dogs? Why does this man... Oh, how about a hot dog, you know, life hack for you? You toss a couple of those in the in the crawfish boil and then kind of just save them off to the side. You know, if you don't want to eat them with the crawfish boil, but then you have the crawfish boil flavored hot dogs. Ooh. Oh, this is this is this is a new world to me. And now you've made me calm down and now you've made me happy. <laughs> Keep voting on the poll question of the day. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. We'll make sure to share them throughout today's show. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I've calmed down some. I was very animated in hour number one. If you were jumping into your vehicle to prepare for the day, or maybe you were checking us out on your Google Home or Alexa device while getting ready, and you heard me ranting and raving, my apologies. Probably weren't expecting that. Probably weren't expecting the big fellow to be so angry so early in the morning. My apologies if I caught you off guard. But thankfully, even though I'm still disturbed, perturbed, by 
the Pelicans sucking me in to watch a game while they just choke it away against the Golden State Warriors. And Roger Goodell and the NFL owners deciding to, you know, let's have even more Thursday night football games for teams. And then some of y'all hating on the, the poll question about hot dogs. I don't know what to do with this information. That said, you did something at the tail end of hour number one, Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D'Lo, a.k.a. Two Degrees, that makes you earn your name, the moniker of producer extraordinaire. You've brought something to my attention I was not aware of. This isn't something you've done before? This is not something I've done before. Oh, but now I'm. it goes to the top of the list of things that I need to do at the next crawfish boil. 100%. So break it down again. You yeah, say so, take your hot dogs. Yeah, the concept is pretty simple. So, so the same way you do With, sausage, yes. you're going to toss a couple hot. Now, the, the, the origin of this, for at least my family, is there was a couple times where the local grocery store over there in Lafitte, Louisiana, where we were, you know, took place in our crawfish boils, didn't have sausage, but they had hot dogs. So we didn't have hot, so we put, you know, we put hot dogs in there instead of sausage and just put them in part of the boil. But then that kind of evolved to me and my dad, when we'd make hot dogs and chili on a weekend, you know, on a much smaller scale, we're not getting the whole, you know, boiling pot out to make hot dogs on a Saturday, but you got either the liquid crab boil or the, or you could use, you know, the powder stuff that you use in the, in the real crawfish. Oh, of course, of course, of course. You toss a little bit of that into the water you're boiling for your hot dogs. And now you have a flavorful bursting situation on your hands. Um, so, yeah. Now, the ones that you put in the actual crawfish boil are even better, of course, because you have everything else in there, all the, you know, all the different seasonings that you put in it, as well as the, you know, the lemon zest and all the things that you put in a crawfish boil. So those are better. But even if you're just making hot dogs on a Saturday, you got you to toss a little crab boil in the water. If you're trying to go low sodium, if you're trying to take that approach, to, you know, we've talked about our health journeys here. Then you can use the liquid crab oil. It doesn't actually have sodium in it. Um, it still gives you that pop of flavor. But, yeah, I mean, you'll never eat a regular hot dog again. You have my attention. You've calmed me down as well. I was very animated. Let's talk more about this foodie poll question of the week. Glad you you said you gave us the great tease. As we were talking in hour number one about the Pelicans choking a game away against the Golden State Warriors because they don't know how to close out games against good quality competition. They know how to tease. Oh, they, they, that they do. The NFL deciding that some teams can now play up to three Thursday night games or three Thursday games because Thanksgiving does not count for this. That's why some teams can play up to three while others won't have to play any at all. That's perfectly, makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Ugh. We discussed that. But you have thoughts here on concession stand food. Opening day is tomorrow. Give us your thoughts about concession food. Yeah, so a rare time again, um, and we talked about this off air, me and RP3 were on the same exact page. We had the same idea for the foodie poll question without even conferring beforehand. So that's impressive. So that kind of that kind of set this up to be a legendary poll question. There's layers to this one. There's four choices that we put out, and I think they're they're pr- it's a pretty good four that kind of encompass ballpark traditional foods, right? There's of course there's some things on there that we couldn't put in. You know, some people would throw a hamburger in there, but I do think 
the hot dog, the nachos, the popcorn, and the peanuts are your four classic things. I know Cracker Jack would be thrown in. We can, we can, you know, that's kind of popcorn anyway, though, in a way, you know. So maybe we could throw Cracker Jack underneath popcorn. Cracker Jack underneath popcorn. But for me, it goes like this. I eliminate popcorn right away because I don't get popcorn at the ballpark. For me, popcorn, I don't really like popcorn in general except at the movie theater. And I'll eat popcorn in the situation of a movie. I don't know what it is. I guess it's just kind of the way my brain was conditioned as a kid. Popcorn I associated with watching a movie. But outside of it, uh, it gets stuck in your teeth. Not a huge fan. Peanuts, I do really like peanuts. And I, it was brought to my attention, you know, I, have, I haven't considered the freshness of roasted peanuts that much in my life. Um, most of the peanuts that I get are, you know, come from the, the bag. Um, so they're not necessarily the freshest. So maybe I should try them again in the most, you know, in the freshest situation at the ballpark. But uh, I don't know if I've ever taken that into account. So I eliminate peanuts as well. It gets down to hot dog and nachos for me. And this is where it gets really tough because now, look, we have to be vague uh, in these situations because Twitter's, you know, poll responses only have so many characters and there are just so many options when it comes to hot dogs and nachos. But I would lean hot dog but then I start thinking of nachos and the, the different areas you can go with nachos. Because we're talking about, I think, and in the spirit of the poll question, I would assume we're just kind of talking about the classic, you know, plate of chips, nacho cheese, maybe some jalapenos or whatever, but not like the deluxe style things. But if you want to go that route, you know, I once at an Astros game had the uh, baseball helmet full of nachos with pulled pork and chicken and oh, barbecue nice. sauce. There and we not- go. Now we're talking. So that changes the game. The seafood nachos are also an option, of course, here in the South. Um, they do that at a lot of different places, you know, around here, of course. And, you know, the Saints do it as well. And, and UL has done it in the past. So seafood nachos are kind of a game changer as well. Because when you get that, and especially if they're if it's done right with the crawfish and shrimp in there, I mean, that's tough. So that's where I lean nachos. But if it's in its purest form, simply a hot dog, you know, with not talking about a loaded out hot dog, everything, just a hot dog. Maybe it's got some chili or cheese on it or just, you know, the way I like to go is just ketchup Um, or just the plain nachos with cheese. I'm going to take the hot dog and that's going to win my ballpark concession battle. But it's close between hot dog and nachos. You see, we couldn't go big time. Right, because I've had some great concession stand food. My go-to, because I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, I'm getting hot dogs, and then I'm going back a second time for nachos. So I'm getting both. And if I could have voted both, I would. And nachos kind of works as a nice side dish. Yes. That chip, you know, kind of break up the... You get them both at the same time. You see, now you're speaking my language. So... Both are really good, but I, I just I can't help myself. I'm a baseball guy, so every time I go to the ballpark, every time, it can be for a low-level minor league game, the Acadiana Cane Cutters, Texas Collegiate League. It could be at Minute Made for an Astros game. It, it could be anywhere. doesn't matter. I'm getting a hot dog. Always. Always. That's always going to happen. I'm always getting at least one hot dog. So that's baseball for me. Like, I know it's cliche. I know it's, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're not breaking any new ground here, RP3. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm, I'm aware. That's what it is, man. If I'm going to go sit 
in the stands and watch baseball, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat a hot dog. That's that's how this works. Isn't it isn't it crazy too? I'm sure you're probably gonna agree with me here. How much better a hot dog tastes when you're in a chair back in a stadium with the crack of the bat behind you in the background versus eating a hot dog? It could be the very same hot dog. It could be a better hot dog at your living room table. It's not the same. You know what I mean? It t- it tastes better inside the ballpark. It just does. <laughs> it does. It it you know. It just does because you're there and you're with all the other people watching the game and the crack of the bat and you know you hear the roar. It's just it's just different, man. It's just different. It just is. So for me, it's it's hot dog all day long. Now, that said, I have had some great experiences eating elsewhere. I had something and I kept the bowl. It was shaped in a, it was a bowl and it was shaped like half a baseball and I got it at the Mississippi Braves. A couple years back, a couple of buddies of mine, we drove over, little cannonball run action, drove over to go watch a Mississippi Braves game. And it was filled with like pulled pork and sauce and cheese and tater tots. It was this whole <laughs> it was this whole thing and like a special name. I have to I have to look it up and figure out what it is, but I was like, and there, and I was like, well, what's in that bowl? Because I, it was one of those moments where you go up to the concession stand, and you see the attendee handed over across the counter to you know a customer, and I'm like, well, what is that? Yeah, no, that's that's where the helmet <laughs> thing with the Astros. My dad and I, we said, what is that? What we is said, that? what what comes in the helmet? And they said, oh, that's not. We said we're going to need one of those. Yeah, I'm gonna, we need what comes in the helmet. I want, I want to know what's in the helmet. So can we make that happen, please? Because I need that, and I need it in my belly. Like that's do, that's what it boils down to. How do you feel about that at like a restaurant? Because like I, I feel like, I, I think it's almost a compliment. Some people might think it's rude. Like if if we see someone else order a really you know cool looking drink at a bar or at a restaurant or a really cool looking plate of food. Like I like to be, you know, ask the server, hey, what what is what is what does that guy over at that table have? And I feel like some people think that's rude. I think it's a compliment because I want to know like if I see something that comes out and looks fantastic, I I don't want to miss out. You know what I mean? What's your thought on asking what what that guy has? Or maybe even asking the person, hey, could I you mind asking if what'd you order over there? I, I like what you're working with here. I ask that all the time. Maybe if, depends if, on if, how fancy the restaurant if is. If something you know? grabs my attention, I will in fact ask. If, if I'm close, like if it's the, the next table over, I, will, I typically will try to ask the waiter or waitress. I'll pull them aside. I'll be discreet because I don't want to embarrass the table or anything like that. And I'll be like, hey, what are they having? And that's how I'll do it. Now, if I can't get the waiter or waitress's attention and it's a little bit more casual and it's a little bit more of a raucous atmosphere where you're not going to have to worry about being, you know, going to have to worry about, you know, if you're going to be uncouth or not, I will then just hit them up at the table next door and be like, hey, man, what is that? Oh, really? Ooh. And they'll be like, oh, we got to get that the next time. So, yeah, I'll do that. How, 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 how else are you supposed to learn, Dawson? No, oh, I'm just saying. Some people, I've, you know, sometimes you get out to eat, and I've been out to eat with, with friends where I said, oh, i got to ask, and they're like, oh, don't, don't ask that. That's, you know, don't ask them. Who are these people that say don't ask? Friends of mine. You need better friends. Probably so. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with asking. There's nothing wrong with asking. Nothing wrong at all about asking that because you're just trying to find out more. 
And of course, the restaurant's going to be all about it because now sometimes you can go to really good places. And I love going to places where like the owner or the, you know, is coming out there and wants to check on the tables and they'll be like, oh, well, hey, how about this? And he goes, oh, you know, we also got this. Maybe next time you come, you get this. I'm like, whoa. Or you can ask them about what the other tables got. And now that's, that's a little bit different. Keep voting on our foodie poll question of the week. It's our poll question of the day every single Wednesday here on RP3 and Company. Opening day is tomorrow. What is your favorite ballpark concession? Is it a hot dog? Is it peanuts? Is it nachos? Or is it popcorn? Right now, leading the vote, hot dog with 45% of the vote. 36% say nachos. 14% say peanuts. And 5% say popcorn. Keep those comments coming. Keep leaving those on Facebook and Twitter. And you keep voting on the poll question of the day. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You want to talk Pels collapsing against the Warriors? You want to talk about the boneheaded decision by the NFL for more Thursday night football? Or do you want to talk about the foodie poll question of the week? doesn't matter. Give us a holler. We want to hear from you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything. But you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, let's head out to the game. Hotline 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. As we welcome in to the show our buddy Martin. Martin, good morning. How are you, my friend? Oh, you forgot to uh, add in the vice chancellor. The vice chancellor of Erath. My apologies, brother. Louisiana. (laughs) Dawson. I got to tell. Hold on, Martin. Dawson, just for future reference, our guy Martin here, I have deemed him the vice chancellor of Erath, Louisiana. Just so you know, for future reference, when you're letting me know that it's Martin, you got to let me know it's Martin, the vice chancellor of Erath. That's what I've given him. That's the distinction. I have that power, by the way, just to let you know. My apologies, Martin. The home of Elijah the Great Mitchell. There it is. The home of the 4th of July celebration, the greatest celebration on planet Earth. But anyway, I'm going to stop self-glossing on you at Louisiana for a minute. Uh, for, uh, now, I got to say, you got to keep that guy D'Lo around for a very long time because during the break, when, when he answered my call, I found out that there is no way, shape, or form in this earth that he is ever, ever going to be a Yankee fan because he will never put a hot dog on a straw. Never. (laughs) Which is, I've yet to try that, and I'm not going to. Of course, that's in reference to the Yankee fan that, as we found out last year, and we talked about it on the show, my man took a straw, 
inserted it through the hot dog, hollowed out the hot dog, and then took the hollow hot dog that was now a meat straw and put it into his beer in the ballpark. Right. I mean, when your team is losing, I mean, and you're bored to death, uh, you know, I mean, what else better you got to do? <laughs> but anyway, um, I got a, uh, I heard uh, everybody's favorite caller, Paul, call in yesterday. You know, and you know it's baseball season when he's uh, wishing on high wishes, you know, that the Yankees are going to win the World Series again. I got to hear that for 162 games. Uh, but uh, cheers to uh, the new baseball season. But, uh, yes, one of the Yankees' problems is their skipper, but their biggest problem is they have no players on that team that comes out that is clutch. You know, not even the great Johnny Green Giant. You know, um, Aaron Judge, you know, but I finally figured out what Aaron Judge's problem is. It's not because he's injury prone. It's because he's eight foot ten and I think uh he's he's so tall that, that the altitude up there is kinda messing with his brain. That's why he never shows up in the playoffs. <laughs> but that's a sour subject for another reason. Now, one more other thing I have to uh say about Roger Godell. Is back to his, you know, his ways of ruining the NFL. It's only a matter of time before they change the the F in NFL to the National Flag Football League. Because let's face it, he don't like contact sports. You know that's why I gotta say that football players in the, this this modern day is not the you know the toughest players anymore. I'd have to say the uh, hockey players are because that's pretty much the only sport where full contact is actually allowed. You know, I mean. I mean, and and not to not to mention they're skating on a on a like pretty much cement because of block of ice. I mean, come on, man. But anyway, um, to, to, uh, I hate to, to mention it to Paul. They're gonna do the same thing. Fall to the uh, to Astros in the playoffs because we all know the Astros are the Yankees' daddy. And by the way, because I know Paul's listening, at the end of the season when the Astros eliminate his Yankees, I want him to on live. On live radio, I want him to admit that the Astros are their daddy. But have a good one, RP3, and stay away from the hot dogs on the straw. Have a good one, buddy. Go go Red Sox, go Astros. Oh, Martin. <laughs> I got Paul yesterday. I got Martin today. <laughs> God. By the way, when we had our uh, birthday bash, 10th anniversary birthday bash for the station last year both paul and martin came and paul brought forms for people to fill out to become yankee fans <laughs> those two in the same room at the same time it's too much it's too much just letting you know now Delo. it's just too much the two of them together in the same room opening day is tomorrow opening day is tomorrow can't wait. Can't wait. Now, Kevin Foote has discussed that he is embracing it being a hammock season. Do we believe him? I do not believe him. No. The, the, the man that cares that much about his Astros, I don't believe is going to fully embrace a hammock season. I don't think he's built that way. I think he loves the idea of a hammock season. He loves the idea. He wishes, he hopes that he could embrace being in a hammock season. It's something he wants but knows he can't do. 
You know, he just can't. He's not built that way. He's just not built that way. He's just not. The man is not built that way. So as much as he's trying to tell himself that he's going to embrace this being a hammock season for the uh, Houston Astros, let's check in in about a month and see how he still feels about his team and if it's a quote-unquote hammock season. Because no. I mean, even I, and I'm not a borderline maniac like Kevin is, and and I, I say that in the nicest way possible. I still was upset that my team lost last year in the playoffs. And they did so against a divisional opponent. So I was still upset by that. And my team was coming off a World Series win. So as much as he wants to try to believe that he's going to embrace a hammock season, he's not embracing a hammock season. We can go ahead and just say that. We could just go ahead and say that because that's not going to happen. It's just not. Woo. Good show so far. Is it time for our first guest? I think so. Got to get geared up. Got to get geared up for our first guest of the day. The Mad Dog, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details will join us. Talking LSU baseball, talking the LSU women who are gearing up for the Final Four in Dallas. That'll be on Friday when they take on Vitek. Should be an excellent Final Four. And of course, your man RP3, I'll be there. That's right. RP3 and company will be broadcasting live from downtown Dallas this Friday morning for the women's Final Four. And RP3's road trip to Dallas, of course, is presented by Bailey's Cigar Room. We're going to get you geared up, ready to go for the Final Four in Dallas. LSU women making their first Final Four appearance in 15 years. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on The Game. This is RP3 and company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, my crawfish pie. We've had a good show so far today. Pelicans looked to be in complete control, dominating the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco until they didn't. Until all of a sudden they had a 17-point lead evaporate and they ended up losing by double-digit figures. (laughs) Only the Pels. They just don't know how to close out games. They get their foot on somebody's neck and they don't know how to finish it. This team just doesn't have that killer instinct that you need. I don't know if it's they just don't have it with the group of guys they have, if it's something with the the way Willie Green coaches. Once again, 
why are they setting up the offense for Larry Nance to shoot three-pointers? He's wide open for a reason. You know why? Because he's not very good at shooting three-pointers. So once again, late-game scenario, they fail to step up. They fail to close the door. They get dumb with iso ball, and they forget to play defense. And sure enough, sure enough, they fall yet again. Built up all that momentum when they have a good opportunity, a, pardon the pun, a golden opportunity to beat a quality opponent, beat a team above them in the Western Conference standings as we come down the home stretch for the season. They do not. They do not. They failed to get the job done yet again. It's time for us to come to terms here with the fact that the Pills may not have that killer instinct that they need to be a legitimate contender. In addition, yesterday, the NFL owners voted on more Thursday night football games because that's what the world was needing. Not so much. This, 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 thought behind it where they've opted to go for everyone can play now a maximum of two but Thanksgiving doesn't count as a Thursday game so you're actually going to have some teams in the league play three Thursday games in a season while others won't play a single one but we don't have a competitive disadvantage issue in the NFL Woof. Terrible decision. First of all, Thursday night football is terrible to begin with. Just greed. And of course, the owners, who once again, to be fair, their job is to make money. That's why they own teams, is to make money. They passed this through at the owners' meetings, the last day of them in Arizona. By the way, nothing good happens in Arizona. That's a discussion for another day. Just saying. Foodie poll question of the week is our poll question of the day here on RP3 and Company. And with opening day being tomorrow, we decided to go, with, what is your favorite ballpark concession food? Right now, leading the vote with 47% hot dog, 36% nachos, 16% peanuts, 1% say popcorn. Who that forever says I hate nut but hey I hate nuts but those roasted pe- uh pecans they sell in the Superdome are the most glorious smelling thing ever. Those are good. Those are really good. Martin says nachos and no hot dogs do not belong on a straw or any sort just furthers my point that the Yankee fans are 100% delusional. My man's always there for Yankee shade. Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, says nachos are my go-to now. About freshness concerns, different providers mean different freshness. UL, no concern, but NSU, which, by the way, is Jamie's alma mater, they used one company. I wouldn't feed those products to a pig with an angry emoji. (laughs) Uh, Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on the foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on our first guest today. He's the award-winning columnist reporter, a man 
who covers LSU better than most, and he fits that in while he's on 18 cruises a year and appears on 27 television and film sets a year. Our good friend Hollywood Higgins himself, Ron Higgins, the mad dog. Good morning. Are you talking peanuts? <laughs> What's your favorite go-to ballpark concession food, bud? My favorite peanut of all time is at the Alabama Press Box. Uh, they they go to a, like a, uh, it's a, I think it's called a store in Tuscaloosa called the Peanut Shop, and they bring these little roasted peanuts with these little little paper bags. It's awesome. I'll yep. see. See, there we go. See, but that see that's something that's done locally, homemade kind of. Yeah, you have to worry about people are concerned about freshness, Ron, and they say a lot of times they're getting not so fresh peanuts when they go to the ballpark, so they're voting for other items, like the hot dog or nachos. Peanuts is the only place I eat. At ballpark is the only place I eat peanuts. I don't know why. Only place I eat peanuts. Ballpark. See? See, we were were talking about this earlier, about how every time I go to a baseball uh, park, I have to eat a hot dog. Like, I just have to. And and, and for for some reason, it tastes better. Yeah, you know. know, It's it's it's, it's made from the same unhealthy stuff that you get everywhere else, but the ballpark is just better. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right, bud. Let's talk about this LSU women's basketball team. I'm going to see them in the Final Four this week. I'm traveling to Dallas. After what you saw last week on how they were able to gut out a win against Utah. Now, big thanks to the Utah 70% free throw shooter for missing two free throws. But they were able to find a way to win in that game. They were able to find a way to beat Miami. Neither one of those games, Angel Reese was, you know, all-American dominant. But Alexis Moore sure did, sure did step up big in both games. What did you make of what you saw from Kim Mulkey's team? Uh, they're gutty and they're gritty. Uh, and they got to shoot better. Uh, I know defense travels, I get that. But uh, I also watched Virginia Tech and – but use the same basketball as LSU did, I presume, and Virginia Tech can, can make shots. And they got a six six girl at center, and, and those those centers give Angel Reese trouble. Uh, she had trouble with South Carolina this year with, 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 with bigger, bigger girls. And uh, but it's it's a winnable game. I I I would have rather played them than play Ohio State. Honestly, I thought Ohio State was pretty good. I thought they had really good good guard, good guard play. That I thought I thought I was thought Ohio State had more weapons. Uh honestly. I, I, I like I like LSU's chances against Virginia Tech, but they've they've I mean they've got to shoot the ball better, but anybody with any kind of sense who watched that game, including Kim Mulkey, knew that, which was which was pretty really, really pretty good. It was finished bulky. I mean really saying, you know, you know, turn this game off is this, this so the shooting so bad. It's bad, bad ball. Uh, but they, 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 I like their chances better against Virginia Tech than did against Ohio State. I agree with you. Their their defense has been extremely good in this tournament, starting with Hawaii, Michigan, that carried over against Utah, who was shooting eighty three and a half per, or were averaging eighty three and a half points per game. Miami, the Twins, they they kind of took them out of the game as well. So they've done a really nice job defensively. And they've also done a nice job of finding other people to step up offensively instead of uh, instead of Angel. 
why do you think we've seen this team kind of it's a weird thing to say because they only lost two games but it does feel like this team following the Tennessee loss in the SEC tournament that they're a little bit different Ron it it just feels that way watching them play I I think they're just yeah you know I mean nothing is really smooth offensively but it's like other people are stepping up uh it's like they be- it's like they became a team, honestly, rather than just a couple of players. Uh, I think Samaya Smith has played great. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I think she's been a huge key for him. I love the way she plays. Uh, uh, one, she jumps. Uh, Angel Reese doesn't jump. You know, Angel Reese just uses length and stuff and, and 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 smarts, and which is fine. Samaya Smith jumps. Uh, Samaya Smith has, has a shot, and Samaya Smith just plays. Just, just, I, I love what she, she just. There's no yapping. She just plays, and I really like that. Uh, you know, Daisy Williams uh, scores. She, you know, other people have stepped up. I think they realize that to get where they got to go to, it can't all be hanging on one person. Even though it, it their their games are still like that. I mean, uh, where. Uh, it all it all hangs on you know how how well the big girl plays and and certainly Alexis. When we talked last time, we said Alexis had to step up. Last week we talked and said Alexis Mars has got to start doing something, uh, and she did. Uh, and it means a difference when she does that. Uh, uh, they need to, you know you get this level, you can't rely on one person to get it done. You you really can't. Uh, and you really got to have everybody step up. And I think they start to do that. I think that's, that's a difference after the Tennessee game. Uh, other people have come to the rescue. Uh, maybe they realize, you know, Angel Mars is going to get swamped. And, and the teams will start to play that way. Look, everybody's going to play LSU the same way now. They're going to surround Angel Mars until LSU can sh- somebody else can score. And they should... I think teams are like this. We'd rather get beat by everybody else on your team than Angel Morris. You mean so, you, you mean Angel Reese, of course, right? Angel, Angel, yeah, Angel Reese. I, there we go. Uh, yeah. We'd rather get beat by everybody on your team but Angel Reese. And so we're going to play our defense that way. We're going to surround her. We're going to make her give the ball up. We're going to make all of her shots tough. And uh, she's going to have to beat us at the free throw line. And I think that's that. I think that figure that's the way the key to beat LSU. Let's surround Angel Reese and let everybody else beat us if they're good enough. And so these other people are, are, are showing right now. Yeah, we've got some other people who can play who can who can beat you. So, and I think that's the way it's going to be in the final four too. What's for you? What's going to be the key to a victory for LSU Friday night to be able to move on to the national championship game? Something they've never been able to do before. Uh, I think I think the key is with them. Uh, honestly, I think it, honestly I think it's not so. I think Angel can play the big girl pretty much straight up. I think it's the Aussie guard they have, who uh, I think is really a good playmaker and and, and can and and can shoot the three ball a lot. You know, I mean, a lot better than anybody on LSU's team. Uh, you find a, a person like that, they give you some separation in a hurry. So they just I, – I'd, I'd worry more about the Aussie guard, the big girl. I think Angel can handle the big girl 
And, and I think well, Deja can do a pretty good job inside too. So that's what I, my concern would be. All right, when it's all said and done, when we're talking next week, brother, how far uh, does LSU go? Do they uh, advance to the title game? Do they win the whole thing, or do they lose on Friday night? Uh, they lose in the championship game of South Carolina. They'll, they'll they'll finally get their first their first NCAA final four win. People don't remember that that they had the AIAW at one time, AIAW, which was the forerunner of the NCAA, and LSU. Uh, won a final four game of that and lost in a championship game in 1977. Uh, but this, this is the first time they get to the championship game, but it'll be, it'll be another step forward for this program. All right, brother, I'll get you out of here with this. Baseball team, they look like the number one ranked team in the country for a reason. Their lineup is filthy. Dylan Cruz is going to put himself in – has put himself in the conversation as maybe the greatest LSU hitter of all time. I still think it's Todd Walker, but – I think Dylan has put himself in the conversation. Uh, and they've won back-to-back series now in SEC play. But is there anything at all? Maybe it's Christian Little struggling out of the pen. Maybe it's the back end of the pitching staff. Is there anything that still at this point makes you go, eh, that's something they got to figure out? Uh, maybe some – I. Maybe some of their relief pitching the back end a bit. Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say that's something. I think I think they know who they can depend on. Uh, I don't know if it's Christian Little. Uh, he didn't look great last night either, honestly. Uh, he looked okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say uh, they got enough people in the bullpen. They can they can they can keep finding somebody to bring in there. But I, I just I'd say that if there's any kind of bothersome thing right now it would be that uh, you know, i mean uh you know ty floyd's struggled just a, a tad uh day but look this I th- with this team the bar is so high like you compare every oh i remember asking last week asking this question you know i it, the bar's so high i'm pitching this team because of paul skin so you, in your mind, you, you try to compare every pitcher to Paul Skeens and the way he blows people away, and it's that's not going to happen. So, like, isn't so and so so and so struggling because of you know? And, and you think, well, not really. It's just that they pitch on the same staff as Paul Skeens, who, who who's just friggin' unbelievable. Uh, and I gotta tell you, Dylan Cruz is the best LSU baseball player ever. Just, I mean, there's been some great ones there, and you mentioned one. Bregman's been another one. This guy has never had a dip in his career since he's been there. He's gotten better every year. He's had no prolonged, you know, at-bats where he did, did, came up empty, no, no long streaks. He's gotten better every year. Uh, and right now, he, you're saying the best baseball player in LSU history play every time he goes to the plate. Uh, you know, it's like I asked Tommy Tax last week. I said, "Have you ever played on a team where every time you got to a plate, you know you're gonna have somebody on base because you have Dylan Cruz in front of you?" He goes, "I've never been on a team like that ever," and it's true. Dylan Cruz is is playing fabulous baseball, but they're playing a Tennessee pitching staff, which is arguably the best in uh, starting rotation, which is the best in baseball, better than Arkansas. So it's going to be this week will be wild. It's going to be a phenomenal weekend. 
at the box Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Brother, I got to hit a break. Appreciate your time. As always, Mag Dog. enjoy your week, my friend. All right. Take care. We'll see you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hey, take time to celebrate literature and its impact on Acadia and its culture with the 7th Annual Books Along the Tesh Festival this Friday through Sunday in New Iberia. There will be writing workshops, readers, theater, music, boo-ray lessons, and a tournament, bus and boat tours, a 5K run, and food, food, and did I say food? It is the Books Along the Tesh Festival this weekend in New Iberia. For ticket information and more info, Visit BooksAlongTheTeshLiteraryFestival.com. That's BooksAlongTheTeshLiteraryFestival.com. Poll question of the day. It's about all about opening day. It is tomorrow. What is your favorite ballpark concession? That's our poll question of the day. 47% of you say hot dogs. 35% say nachos. 15% say peanuts. And 3% say the popcorn. That Cajun says, got to be the canned cheese you melt and not the crap in a bag. <laughs> for the nachos, Braves fan for life says, cheeseburger and fries with a nice cold Coke. I can respect that. JPK, the OD says, hot dog, chili, cheese, and mustard. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three. We'll kick it off with Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns. That's next, right here on The Game. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Eight oh three, which means it's the final hour of this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. We've had a good show so far today. It's about to get great, though. Coming up half an hour from right now, Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join us as we talk all things black and gold. Don't forget also to vote on the poll question of the day. Wednesday is always our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to ballpark food? When you go to the concession stand, with opening day being tomorrow, what do you get? Is it a hot dog? Is it nachos? Is it popcorn? What is it? What's your go-to? We want to hear from you. Maybe it's peanuts. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to share them throughout the remainder of today's show. But right now, it's time for us to talk all things vermilion and white with the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing fine, and I'm kind of torn between peanuts and a hot dog. Oh, see, see, I, I like that. I like that. I love peanuts. I'm allergic to peanuts. So I can't, I can't have peanuts. So I go, uh, I'll, I will take everything though, <laughs> but I do, I do have to have a, I do have to have a quality hot dog. I just can't help it. They just taste better. They may not really taste better, Jay, but I don't know. I just can't go to the ballpark and not have a hot dog, brother. 
that's uh, I understand that. But, you know, everybody else needs to understand that if you put ketchup on a hot dog, you're going to hell. <laughs> oh, Jay, Jay with the strong take about the condiments. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, you got to love how the Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball team is playing uh, so much better a start to the season than it was a year ago. So much better start with conference play. What has stood out to you the most about Matt Deggs' squad to this point right now as we wrap up the month of March? Well, they're, they're swinging it pretty well. Um, and, you know, Coach actually brought up what I think is, is maybe the biggest deal of all in his, uh, in his presser this week. You know, I, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but last year at this time, the Cajuns were about minus 38 in free stuff talking about walks hit batsmen reached on an error. They were the minus 38 or something like that. Right now they're plus 45. They're walking a lot more. They're getting hit more. They're not walking as many, and the Cajuns are playing good defense, and they're taking advantage of other teams' mistakes. I honestly think that's the biggest stat about this team right now. Uh, that stands out to me as well. But you also mentioned something else. And we, and we typically don't talk enough about it because we get so focused on the pitching and the hitting. But the defense, it, sh it feels like when I watch them that it's better than it was a season ago. What stands out to you about how they're attacking defense when they're on the diamond? Well, they're making all the routine plays. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, when you have errors on your team – a lot of time it's routine stuff right. that you either throw a ball away or you kick a ground ball or, or whatever. But the Cajuns are making the routine plays. They're not botching those. Um, they've had you know they've had a few errors, but the you know they only had one uh, over the weekend, and it's because they they're they're making um, they're making the routine play. Now occasionally they'll make the spectacular play. But if you're going to play good defense, it's all about making routine plays. They're making the routine plays, and they're absolutely just raking it when they go out there. But the other thing that has stood out to me, and we can focus in on the lineup and how great they've been, Jay, and they have been. But we've seen them in the last couple of weeks find different ways to win ball games. Yeah, they can just out, you know, clobber South Alabama like they did 22 to 5 and then 10 to 6 in those last two games after losing 12 to 11 in game 1, but they also gutted out a 2 nothing win over Southeastern. Uh what does that tell you about just how good and deep this team is that they can find multiple ways to win ball games? Well, it it tells me that on any given night, the pitching staff can be good. Uh, it also tells me they've been a little inconsistent. Um, but that's the thing that makes it impressive is, you know, on a night where you're only going to score two runs, well, what does your pitching staff do? They throw a one-hitter. And then on a night where you're going to give up some runs, well, what do you do? You win 10-6. to six. So, you know, they, they've – They've gone ahead and had the really good hitting when they've had to have it, and they've had the really good pitching when they've had to have it. Uh, I think both could be a little more consistent, but one is picking up the other, and the defense has been pretty steady. Uh, another thing that I've seen with the pitching is it appears like Deggs is taking Moody and maybe Rawls and kind of making them into swing guys 
for the staff where you could use them as a midweek starter and also have them come out of the bullpen on the weekend or vice versa. Uh, What do you make of Deggs making kind of that in-season adjustment when it comes to the pitching? Well, I think he liked Moody at the back end of the bullpen all along. Um, Moody saw himself as a starter, went out and had a couple of really nice starts, and so they kept him there for a while. But, you know, Sam Hill is getting healthy now, and um, I think they really, really like his stuff. And Jackson Nizu is, you know, really starting to come into his own. So I think that Matt's got the luxury now of taking Moody and moving him to the back end of the bullpen, which is, I think, where he wanted him all along. Um, you know, as far as Rawls is concerned, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start him in a game, although it hasn't happened, I think he can do that. But he's a really good momentum changer out of the bullpen. He's a guy that when your guy gets in trouble, you can turn to him and he can come in, he can shut the other team down, and he can eat up some innings. And that helps you change momentum. And I think that's that's what makes Rawls so good right now. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company, talking all things Vermilion and White, of course. I want to get your thoughts and your perspective here on the other teams in the conference. Obviously, Coastal Carolina has its history, and they're always good year in, year out. Southern Miss, we know how good they are, and we saw what they were able to do last year. Now that we've got a couple of conference series under the belt and you kind of kind of look across the landscape of the Sun Belt, who still kind of stands out to you right now? Well, it's hard to say, Ray, because – after only you got 14 teams in the league, and after only two weekends, it has a lot to do with, okay, who have you played? Right. Um, I think, you know, uh, Coastal has shown they can score runs on anybody. Uh, Old Dominion has shown they can score runs on just about anybody. I think the Cajuns have done the same. Um, Old Dominion has pitched well, but they haven't had the strongest strength of schedule. I don't know that anybody in this league is – has a scary pitching staff, uh, but I think that they this this league has a lot of teams that are capable of scoring a lot of runs. That's what I'm seeing so far. I don't know that I'm seeing a team jump up and say, "Okay, we're the guys." Um, that's still got a ways to shake out. You know, if you look at a, at a team like Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern opened with South Alabama, then got Southern Miss. This weekend they've got. Um, Coastal Carolina, and and you know they're they're playing their toughest teams early in the season, so it's hard to hard to get a uh, hard to make a judgment on them. I just I think this thing's got a long way before it settles down. But what I am seeing so far is I'm not seeing a lockdown pitching staff, but I am seeing teams that can really score some runs. Which means we could have some high-scoring, wildly entertaining series down the stretch, and the conference tournament is probably going to be phenomenal theater. This weekend, they're back at home after traveling to Stanky Field last weekend. They take on an App State team that's had a pretty good season so far. Uh, What stands out to you about this matchup, and what do you think is going to be key this weekend at the Teague? This is, uh, this is Kermit Smith's best team, and, and I don't think it's even close. This team can swing the bat, and Appalachian State has not been known for being a good offensive team. But this team can rake. 
and he's brought in some new guys. He's got a guy who started at Ole Miss, then went to Tennessee Tech, and he's already hit nine home runs this year. Um, they've got they've got a good Friday night guy. Their pitching staff is very questionable after that, but they are a team that's capable of putting up double digit runs just about any time. And I think that got underlined on Sunday when they were down eight nothing to Georgia State after two and a half, came back and won fifteen to fourteen. I want to switch gears a little bit, Jay. I want to talk about the softball team. You know, that they've had a strong start. They've been able to notch some quality wins that's going to help with their RPI down the road. But the thing that we're still trying to figure out here, and maybe Jerry's figuring out. What are they going to do at shortstop? Because it's seemingly been a revolving door between three players there. What do you think Jerry's trying to figure out with his shortstop? Well, you know, based on what I saw early in the season in Clearwater and what I've been reading, I think shortstop is only one of the issues that they have when it comes to the Cajun defense. I made the comment after, and this was early in the season now, and you've got different personnel out there than I saw at the time. But my comment was it looked like they had about six designated players out there playing defense. Um, I, I, I just think that the entire defense is something that has to be decided upon. And, you know, Jerry's a hitting guy. And Jerry's going to probably play the best nine guy, uh, not nine women that are hitting the ball. But I, I think that this team is challenged defensively at several positions, and I think he's got to shore that up. I, I think he's got to figure out, you know, defense starts up the middle, okay? Second base, shortstop, center field, and catcher. You got to figure out who those four are, and then build around that. In my opinion, um. You know, every time softball team loses a game in conference, everybody, you know, thinks it's the end of the world. Uh, and it's not because this conference is getting better and better every year. Um, but I but I do think that there have been a couple of times this year that they've been exposed, especially defensively. And so I, I think that if it was me, that would be my first priority. Uh, but Jerry's a much better coach and a much smarter coach than I am. He'll get it figured out. But, but it's something that has to be addressed. I agree with you. They have to go on the road, Jay, to take on James Madison. And we know what that program can do, what they're capable of doing. We saw them, you know, what they did going all the way to Oklahoma City a couple of years ago. Um, how big is this weekend series for the Cajuns to go on the road and go across the country and take on JMU? Well, you know, JMU's going to be ready. I mean, when, when, they, when they joined the league, and it was rumored that they were going to join the league, the first thing that we did down here is say, oh, my gosh, they got great softball. Um, and so this is, a, this is a series that the coaching staff has been looking forward to playing. Well, so is JMU, and they started slowly. They're playing better now. I don't think they're what they were two years ago. In fact, I don't think that there's any debate on that. But this is not a bad team, and you're on the road, and you're you know, coming off a loss in your last game. And you know, the Cajuns in the past have had very little problem on the road because traditionally they're so much better than everybody else. This league is getting better. 
let me say it again. This league is getting better. And so you can't take anything for granted, especially when you go on the road. So the Cajuns are going to have to be ready because I think the Dukes will be. I'll get you out here with one more, brother, and it's about the men's basketball team. Themis folks briefly explored being in the NCAA transfer portal, changed his mind, decided to come back to play for Bob Marlin for another season. How big of a deal is that for Bob and the program? Well, I, you know, it's it's Themis is certainly a guy you didn't want to lose. Um, he, you know, he led the league in assists, and while Themis had his moments that made you scratch your head, you know, the reality of the situation is he was a big contributor to 26 wins. So I, I think having him back is is a big plus. Um, you know, one of the things that coaches have to do now at the end of each season is they have to re-recruit their own players. Um, you know, just about the whole Arkansas State team went into the portal. They hired a new coach, and the coach has done a very good job of getting those guys to recommit. But that's what that's what college basketball is now. You have to before you go out and fill in your blanks, you got to find out what the blanks are, and you do that by re-recruiting your own guys. It's just what college basketball is today. Jay, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy being on the call this weekend at the Teague, my friend. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, bud. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III. I'm joined inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D'Lo, a.k.a. Two Degrees, a.k.a. the producer extraordinaire. We're already up to three a.k.a.s. It's good progress. We're going to make it more. You know how we have that rejoin about me and all my nicknames? I feel like we could embrace that for you. Not my nicknames. I, I don't. I'm not going to share them with you. I'm just saying we come up with your own. Yeah, that works. Okay. Maybe we can. We can. I can bring some new. Uh, we can update some of the rejoin music too to be like couple from my era, couple from your era. Oh, just an idea. We don't have. You know, we got. We got a little. You know, there's a little bit in there. We got a Green Day song, I think, somewhere in there. But <laughs> yes, there's a Green Day song in there. This man wants to have his own music now. On this, I mean. I am getting Wally pipped out of here. I gotta no, make sure I, to be look, here every just, day. There's nine. What do we have? Nine. I mean, there's nine songs to play. <laughs> so it's it's not. I'm not asking for eight of them. You know. How about if I give you one? Yeah, that's. And I've already got the song, so we can we can. Why, talk what is about it? it? Oh, we're going right here. Yeah. Oh, you brought it up. Well, it's the show goes on. Lupe Fiasco. That's a song from about. It's not a new song. It's about you know. That's from like my middle school, high school days. I will accept it. Okay. 
There we go. I think it's a good song for instrumental too, which is what, what it'll be. You know, see, so. it's all about collaboration, bud. Whew. Good conversation there with Jay. I want to further it a little bit with the Cajun talk. I mean, we could spend this time talking about the Pelicans wetting themselves against the Golden State Warriors, which they did last night. Had a great opportunity to beat a quality opponent, and they decided not to because of poor coaching. Once again, once again, why are we setting up players to take wide-open three-pointers when, in fact, they're open because they struggle to make them? I have questions about the offensive sets and how they approach things and how they all of a sudden they'll play good defense and all of a sudden they it just disappears like they're like brrr, it's gone we could spend this time talking about that or about the nfl's moronic decision to inflict more thursday night football on teams but having it set up where one team could play three thursday games and other teams not play any because that's fair but once again roger goodell doesn't care about fair because he's judge, jury, and executioner, and all the owners pay him to be so. And as long as he lines their pockets with gold, it doesn't matter. I could rant about that for hours. I did. I spent the entire first hour of today's show ranting about that. But I want to talk more about the Cajuns and what Jay had to say. The baseball team. The defense has been underrated. This is a team that can knock the hide off the ball. And they play good defense. And we've talked about the pitching. It's coming together. There's still some issues there where you go, okay, and Jay made a great point where he doesn't think there's a great pitching staff in the Sun Belt. There's good pitching staffs. There's no dominant great pitching staff in the Sun Belt this year. And I think he's probably on to something there. So if everyone's kind of in the same boat with just good pitching – and not great dominant pitching, I think the Cajuns have an advantage because they can hit, but also their defense is solid. And if you can hit and you have solid defense, you're going to win a lot of games. A lot of games. Yeah, well, and what that comes down to, the funny thing, too, is we, we can, you know, we, we can, it's easy to compare the Cajun softball and baseball teams because, you know, they play right, right, down the, right down the way from each other. Cajun baseball team has everything that the softball team doesn't have defensively. For the Correct. Most part. Now, what Cajun softball does have is center fields figured out with Maya Davis. That's, but that's all they have figured out. They have a couple of different catchers that they play, uh, Vic and Sophie, and I don't know if either one of them are plus defenders at this point. They're both not bad, but there's a rotating door there. Um, they have tons of questions at shortstop and second base and that's just they have not found the combination that they're going to stick with and at this point in the season you probably would like to have that figured out um whereas Cajun baseball has Kyle DeBarge at shortstop who's going to play every day without question there's no question who's in the lineup with the number six next to their name and they have Julian Brock who's one of the best catchers in the country he's going to be one of the best draft prospect catchers correct so they Matt Diggs doesn't doesn't wake up in the morning and go man who, how am I going to figure out the middle of the infield today I don't know if I'm going to play DeBarge there? Am I going to play C.J. Willis somewhere? He knows. DeBarge is playing short. Julian Brock's catching. He's got multiple guys he trusts at second base. And Max Marshak, by the way, once again, Matt Deggs takes a guy from the outfield, places him at third base, and it pays dividends. Max Marshak's been rock solid, just as he did with Tyler Robertson a year ago. Correct. That's kind of what Coach Glasgow wanted to do, it seems like. Put somebody, you know, we'll just play Langlier's at short. We'll just figure it out. And it hasn't quite worked out that way. So it hasn't, you know... 
lost them some games yet, but it's been Not, close, and it's and it's contributed some of their losses. They, it has contributed to some of their losses, including some, against some of that elite competition. It, it's reared its ugly head, and, and the problem you, you get to a certain point where you get to be dangerous. And what I mean by that is this: it's about to be April. You're still tinkering, and look. Any skipper worth his or her salt is going to do that. There's going to be minor changes from week to week that you're going to make. You Maybe you switch it up where the 2-3 hitter rotates, or maybe you put another left-handed bat in the lineup against a certain pitcher. So there's always going to be minor tweaks that you're going to do, right? Because this is baseball and softball. But Jerry's doing major tinkering with his team, in particular with his defense. That screws up the chemistry because you develop a chemistry as a team by playing with the same players usually nine you know day in day out because you get to know hey this is how the shortstop's going to flick me the ball in a double play attempt or this is how the catcher's going to block if the ball doesn't go where it needs to go and it hits the dirt I know that the catcher's going to block it and we're not going to give up a pass ball it's little things like that baseball and softball are about the little things and when you keep tweaking and tinkering with it constantly and there's not consistency, that hurts you in the end. I know Jerry's trying to figure it out. I get it. But you eventually you just have to embrace the fact that you are what you are, that you're a pretty good hitting team, and that you have suspect defense, and you just have to live with it because you feel like you can out-hit the competition. Well, the problem also is he hasn't figured out, like, you know, to his credit, there hasn't been something that he's, he's tried different combination and he's going to continue to. There just hasn't been something that's stuck. The weird thing is that there's a couple of little, I don't think it's ever going to be fully consistent because there's a couple little things. A, you know, I think he probably trusts Sissy Vasquez in the infield more than most, but she hasn't hit and she, you know, is a freshman and she's maybe just not ready to hit at this level consistently. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer to make that transition, yes. Now, they have a situation where Carly Heath has been is going to be their designated player when she's not pitching. But when she's pitching, then you have a chance to play Sissy in the field and DP for her. Correct. But when Carly's not pitching, which Carly's not the ace of the staff, she's one of the options, but of course Megan and Sam and Kendra are going to be pitching before her in, in a usual series. You can't do that. So I think there's times where you're going to see her play. Now there's times you're going to play her in the lineup and maybe she starts to swing the bat, but... He doesn't have a lot of rock-solid options, and Maddie Hayden's played all over the place. Do you do you just go ahead and play her for an extended period of time at shortstop and try to make that work? I think that might be your best option. But because I, I think Langeliers is a better second baseman. Yeah, I think I think that's clear, and I think right. he knows that, and he's trying to make it work with something along those lines. But again, it's just been tough to it's just been tough to kind of solidify something because nothing has flowed well nothing's worked great and again sometimes the bats he's always going to kind of favor the better bat in the lineup right and that's Correct. i think that has kind of messed with the rhythm as well i would agree with that good conversation got to take a time out though when we return we're going to keep that great conversation going we told you this third hour is going to be great we started off strong i let you down in hour number two i didn't bring my a game i'm trying to do it now in hour number three delo's helping Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast joins us live next right here on The Game.
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 838 on this Wednesday edition of the show. Of course, we're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. And just a reminder that Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Also, don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. What's your go-to item from the concession stand when you go to ballparks? Opening day for Major League Baseball is tomorrow. By the way, um, we're coming for you, Nationals. Making my Braves have to play on the road to open up the season. Ridiculous! But I digress. What's your go-to? Is it a hot dog? Is it nachos? With jalapenos or without? Doesn't matter. Is it peanuts? Is it popcorn? Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints football with the man who is the co-host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He's also a contributing columnist for 1037thegame.com, our buddy Andrew Juge. Andrew, good morning. How are you, brother? Raymond, I'm hanging in there. And look, uh, is it weird that I kind of tend to go with the salted peanuts at a ball game? Is that is that a weird answer? That is not a weird answer. It was one of the options, my friend. Okay. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, there was no need to have trepidation there, my friend. It's whatever you want. It's whatever Andrew likes is what is important here, my friend. Well, listen, I mean, I have two kids, so obviously the dipping dots are part of are part of the game day yes. experience anytime I go to a game with my kids. Well, of course. Of course, you got to get the kiddos. Yeah. You got to take care of them. Yeah. All right, but uh, the free agent spending frenzy has kind of slowed down a little bit as we expected. But they did sign someone that's interesting to me. Uh, Edwards, the former South Carolina star, record-setting wide receiver, big-body kid, showed some promise in 2021, kind of had a mini breakout period during that season. But Josh McDaniels comes in and says, this guy's trash, I'm trading into the, the Falcons. And then the Falcons cut him during the season, and he has to become a practice squad player for the Chiefs. What do you make? Of the signing, obviously, it's a low-risk, high-reward type of deal. Plus, he gets reunited with Derek Carr. What do you make of this? Could this guy actually make the roster and actually contribute? I think so. Uh, look, first of all, anytime you're a receiver that's gotten 500 yards in a season, uh, that you've proven that you can play in the league. So then it's about putting it all together physically, uh, doing it again. Uh, I think he's got a leg up being in an offense where he has chemistry with the quarterback already. So you mentioned that he's played with Derek Carr in the past. And uh, there's a lot of trust there. And, you know, I, I think when you look at the Saints receiver core, I think they felt really solid about Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, guys that can stretch the field and kind of give them that element that this offense has had. And maybe Devery Henderson or Robert Meacham or Ted Ginn in the past 
Brandon Cooks. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Olave and Shahid really fill that space. But at the end of the season, when you when Dennis Allen was asked very specifically, you know, what, what did this team miss? You know, why, why did you lose so many games? And the first thing he went to was we need a contested catch receiver. And uh, obviously Michael Thomas is that player when he's healthy, but he really hasn't been for the last three years. And so I think going out and getting Edwards, look, he's a guy that isn't going to get a ton of separation, but he will catch those 50-50 balls. And if you watch his tape from his successful season with the Raiders, a lot of times he, he was blanketed in coverage. And, you know, if there's one thing Derek Carr is pretty good at is he'll throw it to a spot and he'll trust his receiver. And uh, Edwards was a guy that made a lot of plays for Carr on those 50-50 balls. So, uh, again, he he fits the profile of what Dennis Allen was describing. Uh, I think, again, there's chemistry with the quarterback kind of going into the season. So, yeah, I do think he has a good shot. Uh, he's going to have to prove he can do other things, though. He's going to have to prove he can play special teams and he can block because he's not a top three receiver. And when you're not a top three receiver, obviously that's kind of reserved for Michael Thomas, Salave, and Shahid pending health at this point. But – You've got to be able to do other things to prove that you earn it. And that's really why Traquan Smith has had a roster spot for so long. Uh, He's a guy that can contribute on special teams. He's a guy guy that can block. And so, uh, you know, just being a better receiver, catching footballs in Traquan Smith when you're the number four, the number five, that's not all that is necessary to make the team. So, you know, but he, he has some capabilities and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of having a wide receiver on the roster that can't catch the football consistently but is still on the roster. Um, But, yes, Traquan, they love him because he run blocks. Uh, Like, you can't find that guy in the sixth round or an undrafted rookie free agent. But I digress. We we won't get sidetracked with Traquan Smith. Now, you get Thomas on the one-year deal. You're bringing in Edwards, right? Alave's coming off the great rookie year. Shahid showed you flashes of what he can do. I'm still waiting to see if he can be consistent because we've been tricked before by undrafted late-round pick wide receivers for the New Orleans Saints showing flashes, and then we buy into them going to be legitimate starters. I'm looking at you, Kirkwood. I'm looking at you, Callaway, and others. Does this mean, though, that wide receiver is now off the board for them for the draft? I think so. I think wide receivers off the board. Uh, I look. I wouldn't rule out the Saints maybe taking a flyer on a player later in the draft uh, if they find that they have a guy on their board that kind of dropped and represents good value. Then you know, sure, draft a receiver in the sixth round or seventh round and let them compete with the group. But I don't think at the top of the draft, uh, I, I would say receiver is kind of down the list in terms of necessity at this point. So I would be surprised in the first three rounds, we'll call it. Uh, to see them take a receiver. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, I think they're in a good spot. You know, it's interesting. When I look at Shahid, you mentioned him. To me right now, he's kind of already proven that he's Joe Morgan. I don't know if you remember Joe Morgan Ooh. from the Saints, but he was a guy that kind of returned kicks and punts, uh, very explosive. I think he had some returns for touchdowns in the preseason. He had a lot of long catches in the regular season, a number of touchdowns, very high yards average per catch. So he's already proven he's in that zone. I, I think it's not going to take much for Shahid to maybe elevate to Deontay Hardy level. You know, a guy that can catch okay. 30 balls a season and make plays on special teams, maybe run a kickback for a touchdown here or there. So I, I think it's going to take very little for him to get there. But I believe the ceiling for Shahid is actually maybe Brandon Cook's level. And I, I don't know that he'll ever be a proven 
bona fide number one receiver. I don't know that Brandon Cooks ever hit that either. I, to me, Cooks was always kind of a deluxe number two. And, and I, I believe that's probably Shahid's ceiling is to get up that high. And he, obviously, he's going to have to prove a lot. He's going to have to be a 1,000-yard receiver. He's going to have to catch 70 to 80 balls uh, to, to be at that level. But I believe that's the ceiling. So I think for him, you, you nailed it. It's about developing consistency. It's about proving he can do it over and over again. And then I think he can kind of get in that Deontay Hardy to Brandon Cook's zone, somewhere in the middle of that. And uh, if, if he can land there, that's going to be highly productive and helpful to the Saints. We're talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. You know, when I look at this team, they re-signed Juwan Johnson, locked him up. He had a very good season um, lining up at tight end, really kind of blossomed a breakout season for him. But it seems like tight end could still be a position of need for this team. Do you believe it is, and do you believe they could go against the grain that they typically do, which is draft D-line, O-line, DB, and wide receiver in the first two rounds? This is what Mickey's done for 15-plus years. And possibly draft a tight end in the first two rounds? Yeah, I think it's possible. Look, they were looking at Foster Moreau, and they were one of the top two teams in the mix to sign him until his really unfortunate diagnosis with cancer kind of shelved him and made him unavailable for teams to sign this offseason. So uh, they, were, they were playing around with tight end. So, yeah, I think that's completely in the mix. I think in the past, the Saints have really kind of prioritized getting veterans at that position. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they try to still add a veteran maybe before the draft or after the draft. But uh, that's a position of need, and I think that's absolutely a place that the Saints could look. Um, you know what's interesting is if you go back and you look at Darren Watt, this is what gets me excited about Jawan Johnson. I was talking with this with my podcast co-host, Ralph Malbro on one of our m- more recent shows. Uh, but if you look at Darren Waller's stats for his career, and we're talking about one of the best tight ends in the league, you know, I think his rookie season he had two catches, six catches in year two, three catches. You know, so not really not doing much. And then in year four, he explodes, 70 catches, then he goes to 90. So Darren Waller kind of exploded, and it was working with Derek Carr. And, oh, by the way, the tight end that the Saints were close to signing that I just talked about, Foster Moreau, he was also a guy at LSU that I really liked at LSU, but I didn't know that it would really translate into the NFL. And Derek Carr helped make him a really special tight end as well. So what we've seen in that Raider offense – is Derek Carr make high usage of tight ends and turn one into a bona fide superstar in year four. So I look at Juwan Johnson and I look at his progression, his ascension, he's been getting better every year. And I think this pairing with Derek Carr, I would not be surprised to see Juwan Johnson make a very big leap this year statistically and kind of come into his own. I like that. And I actually kind of agree with you on that. And, And he's such a, big hybrid thing he's he could be your other real big body wide receiver right and and that can change this the, the way this offense is going to operate for the 2023 season but before i let you go tell the people when you're going to drop the latest episode and where they can go grab it yeah we're dropping it every day so uh, we have a big event every monday night where we uh go live on twitch uh so you can always watch us live on video Uh, or listen to the podcast after we post it live. Uh, But you can find all of our content wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're called the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Or if you'll consider becoming a patron, you can visit our website at saintshappyhour.com. Brother, appreciate your time. Enjoy your week, my friend. 
Always a pleasure. Thanks, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, oof, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, RP3 and Company. <laughs> That's hosted by me. That's not this show. This show right now is headed to Big D for the NCAA Women's Final Four. I will be broadcasting live from downtown Dallas this Friday morning and we'll get you prepared as Kim Mulkey's team looks to move on to the national championship game. RP3's road trip to Dallas is presented by Bailey's Cigar Room. Getting excited about that. Went to the men's Final Four last year. Didn't broadcast though there. This year, broadcasting from right down the street from the women's Final Four. Get to cover the women's Final Four this year. I'm excited. I'll make you a promise for Friday's show. Yes. I will have... A stat that you have not heard before about LSU's women's team and or the opponent and how they kind of can match up with Virginia Tech. I will have that for you on Friday. Oh, yes. Let's go. I'm ready. Poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week. Opening day is tomorrow. What's your favorite ballpark concession? 47% of you say hot dog. 32% say nachos. 18% say peanuts. 3% say popcorn. Cajun Rockin shared something about eating one hot dog takes about 36 minutes off your life. That's not ideal for your boy. And if that's, well, who wants to be 90 anyway? So that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Just, I mean, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I, okay. It's not good for you. And uh, look, I'm not going to be able to eat any early in the season here because I'm on a diet and training for the 5K. Darren says sunflower seeds. B-Rad says nachos with jalapenos and barbecue hamburgers and a cold Coca-Cola to drink. My man's going for the whole meal. I'm down for that. And the Notorious Dub says, and I want it now. I want it all. I'm down for that as well. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day and left their comments. We greatly appreciate you making us part of your morning. want to thank our guests, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, Jay Walker, Longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns and Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. We'll do it all again tomorrow. For the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Iserlo, I'm Raymond Parts III. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.